Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hi, I'm Jacob Feldman. And I'm Evan Novi Williams, and this is the Bear Market Sports Business Podcast, the Sportacast. Jacob, we've got good news and bad news for our listeners. The good news is that you're here, our returning champion, Jacob Feldman, filling in for Scott, who is on the road in L.A. Jacob, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. I am I thought I was the bad news, so now I'm concerned to see what it is. <laughs> well, the bad news is don't check your 401k account. Mm, sure. Uh, no sure. secret, uh, the markets are in, uh, in, in kind of a free fall right now. I think last week was the worst week that the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ have had since March 2020, right at the start of the pandemic. We're officially in a bear market, uh, and that obviously has consequences all across uh, the economic uh, mm-hmm. or, or, or different reaches of the economy, but certainly in the world that we write about for a living in the sports world. Um, when you and I were discussing kind of where to where to take this show, you had this idea. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. Let's talk about what this, this market downturn means for our uh, for sports, and there's a lot of ways to take it, and I'm going to let you start by taking it in whatever direction you want. Well, sure. Well, I'm sure everybody listening is like us, and when they do open their 401k app and they see those red numbers, those down arrows, their first thought is, oh, I wonder how those sports owners are going to be doing. I wonder how those teams <laughs> that are worth billions, I hope they're going to make it through okay. Uh, but, you know, I guess that, that's our job. That's what we do to uh, take our mind off those uh, down arrows and red numbers. So, I hope uh, that's Stan Kroenke's portfolio is fine. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, we, we laugh. It is, I mean, depending on the sport, it does ultimately have an impact, right, At, to, to some degree. But as my first thought as we were talking about this topic was, well, let's go back, you know, 13, whatever it was, years to the last time we went through this. Hopefully it won't be as bad as it was then. But sports were impacted then. We saw the WNBA contracted a team around the time. There was a slew of, of teams being sold, uh, plenty of, you know, Ticket prices going down. Maybe that's that's an upside we we can look to. Uh, I think the Coyotes went went bankrupt uh, around that time. So there are real effects in, in the sports world, and I think you hinted at this, but a lot of them probably are unpredictable, right? Because 
you know, sports is a weird, it's a weird world. It's a weird industry. Uh, and, and some will tell you that when the economy is down, people maybe are spending more time on their couch at home watching games on TV rather than going out and doing other things. So it can go either way. It depends a lot on where you sit in the industry. Obviously, overall, I think uh, bad news uh, is in store. So, so let's start with the, the team sales, which which you hinted at a, a little bit there. I asked Kurt Badenhausen, our valuations expert. He has been valuing sports franchises for, for 30 plus <laughs> years. He said there was only one little stretch in those 30 years where he shifted valuations down uh, over the course of his career. And it was exactly what you're talking about. It's that 2008, 2009, 2010 stretch. And even then it was just low single digits. And and, and Peter Schwartz, who was doing valuations for us before Kurt, Kurt joined us, he wrote a great story that I actually just dug up uh, a couple of years ago at the start of COVID about what market recessions mean for team sales um, and some really interesting data in there. If you look just at, at, at sales that have controlling stakes, the three highest years in the past 20 years of those sales were 2010, 2011, and 2012. So the there market froze for a little bit when Lehman Brothers and Bear Stearns collapsed and the Dow was down 50 plus percent. And then as everything started to come out of it, we saw we, we saw a huge rush of controlling stakes. We also saw some teams that sold in there at, at valuations that 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 Peter's assessment was this is clearly a, a, a lower value because of what's happening. Um, two a of those being yeah. the Cubs, the, the Ricketts family bought the Cubs in 2009 for 845 million. That included Wrigley Field and 25% of an RSN. And then the Canadians, which the Molson family bought back at the time, according to, 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 to Peter's research here at 2X revenue. And we see sports franchises now that are selling for six or seven, or if you're an MLS franchise, it's, it's 12 plus. Uh, so it, it does certainly seem that, that when things get bad, and, and to be totally clear, we are not in a situation right now that is, that is akin, at least not yet, to, to what of happened course. back in 2008 and 2009. But it does certainly seem as though when, when the big R word, when recession gets, gets tossed out there and, and, and things are bad, really bad in the economy, there are potentially value, there's value to be gained for people buying sports teams and that maybe even on the back end, you see a rush of potential deals coming out of it. Yeah, we've also gone through this period where we've seen some some monster deals for teams. We've also seen a lot of media deals get locked in. I think that's the other thing you look at in terms of these massive deals that change the health of a league. Um, so you think about, we go back, I feel like we've said this before, but the NFL it looks smarter and smarter every day with the deal that they did uh, to lock in 10 years, uh, massive number for their TV. The NBA is the one who now is coming up. Um, so that is, is a year or two, depending on kind of how the negotiations go. But And how about the Big uh, Ten, that, Jacob, which is that too, right yeah. now uh, tr- putting essentially the, the final ink on paper on, on what a lot of people think is going to be a billion dollar a year series of media packages, it, it is a great question to think about how much this this shift in the economy affects the way that companies like a Fox, companies like a Disney, ESPN, CB, Viacom, CBS, wh- whoever they are, how much they're willing to kind of open the wallet right now. Yeah, but I think more than these big established conferences or leagues, the bigger impact will be on the smaller leagues, the growing leagues, the newer leagues. Um, we've seen so much growth in women's sports. I mean, you, you'd hate to see that slow down, but often that is very reliant on sponsorship, right? And we were talking about the Nikes and the Gatorades of the world. And you wonder whether those dollars maybe dry up a little bit and, and that becomes a challenge. 
I think almost definitely that there was a, I'm sure you saw this. There was a good New York post story last week about the, the crypto winter, which I, I mm-hmm. guess is maybe tangentially related to what's happening in the broader markets right now. Depends on who but you ask. Yeah. Is specifically about the way in which those companies like FTX and crypto.com that mm-hmm. have poured probably at this point, billion plus dollars into the sports ecosystem in the past 12 months, the way in which they're maybe scaling the, their approach back through sports. The, the post said that both the Washington wizards and the Los Angeles Angels were in deep talks with, I think, both with FTX about patch deals that that, that ended up kind of dying on the vine because the 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 the, the winds of crypto shifted a little bit. Uh, it does certainly seem like there's a lot of companies, both crypto and non-crypto, that were maybe mm-hmm. considering big marketing spends in sports recently that are maybe dialing the things back a little bit as they're uncertain about what exactly the next three months, six months means for their company financially. Yeah, just this week, we saw the Spurs announced a new um, Jersey patch sponsor with a financial services company. I mean, those are the companies mm-hmm. you look you look to and, and and who are trying to do these big marketing spends. And and you wonder, yeah, how much more that can continue. And then you wonder, you know, whether these companies can, I, you know, I think the FTXs and the Coinbases and the Crypto.coms are safe, but a level, level down for that, are they going to continue to be able to pay for the sponsorships that they've committed to as a question? So, so I... I asked this question on Twitter today. I'm curious to get your thoughts. It feels to me like there are, in the past three years, there have been more new sponsorship categories that sports teams <laughs> were just not, weren't even available to sports teams than there, than there were in like the decade previous. And I'm talking about sports betting. I'm talking NFTs. I'm talking crypto. I'm talking digital lotteries, which are going to be an increasingly big thing in our world. The Marijuana, liquor. Yeah, CBD is just open for... Major League Baseball, according to Sports Business Journal, I would think marijuana could could be right around the corner. You're right. A lot of leagues are treating liquor differently than they did five or six years ago. And I can't tell if that's recency bias, that just like this is the era we're writing the most about and it's top of my mind. Or if it is true that if you work in a sales department at a Major League Baseball team or at an NFL team, you're just constantly opening up new categories in a way that maybe wasn't true if you go back to 2017 or 2012. Yeah, it would be interesting to uh, stick somebody on that project for two weeks and go back through all these things. I, I'm sure there were sponsorship categories that have opened up. But yeah, I totally agree with you that it feels like over the last five years. And, and part of me wonders if it's them seeing how big of a boom uh, gambling gaming was and saying, can we replicate that? You know, you, you get a taste of a new category, an explosive category like that. Um, you know, someone say too explosive based on you know the daily fantasy we saw at the beginning there. But I, I get the sense that you see that type of growth and, and, you know, these are companies and they want to sustain that growth. And the only way to do that is to find, you know, new land to, to, to reap. And, and to that point, a lot of these a lot of these industries feel like they're particularly volatile. Right. Mm-hmm, the, the sports sure. betting companies yeah. were spending yeah. so much money. And now the, 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 the recession in sports betting has actually been much longer than it's been for the <laughs> for the wider markets. Uh, crypto, that's that's you know, we just discussed, is, is collapsing. It, it, it does feel as though. The, they're, they're relatively new industries. Everybody is fighting for market share. Everybody wants to, to lock in consumers, get some kind of loyalty going. They're willing to spend a ton of money to reach people. Sports is a great way. We've talked about it on the show a lot. Sports is a great way to do that in a lot of specific industries. But when things get tight, uh, it does become a bit more, I think it becomes concerning for people on on the sales side of, of, of teams. It's also obviously it, it changes the, the, the direction and the marketing approach by a lot of these companies as well. Yeah. Now I'm just thinking like, what would the categories have been in the eighties that, you know, team sales offices were excited to, to, to get on board. I don't, I don't know what it would be. Is it like yeah, new yeah, lines of, you know, good sized cars all of a sudden are, are hot. I don't know. 
so much of the of the sports marketing world for so long was dominated by insurance by by beer mm-hmm. which i'm sure there was a time when beer kind of opened up by by car companies a lot of things that have that are legacy businesses that have been around for a really long time i'm sure there was a really lucrative tobacco section right. of well, this, that's what in, I was of about. this industry that disappeared tobacco. in some ways yeah yeah, so maybe look at the years after that. I bet there was some experimentation. But yeah, I, I well, the, going back to the volatility point, I think part of that is just these are all new growing industries, right? So part of that just comes with the the territory of working with the younger companies. You're going to have more volatility. But the other aspect of this is that they are increasingly financial partners, whether we're talking about sports gaming, whether we're talking about crypto, whether we're talking about stock trading apps, you know, the Robin Hoods of the world. I, I do think leagues are more comfortable getting into that world where, where all of a sudden you're, you're, you're not playing with, with customer money, but, but you're, you're talking about customer money in, in new ways. And, and that does get, um, to me at least, uh, sticky, troubling when you get into these moments when, when, it's not, you know, when everything's not going up. One of the things you said a little while ago that I, that I want to go back to is, is that in a recession, oftentimes people spend more time at home oftentimes mm-hmm. consuming content. Some of that is, is live sports on television instead of going out and doing maybe more expensive social things. One of those expensive social things could certainly be going to, to sporting yes. events, buying tickets. How much do we think that if the economy stays bad for a while, so much attention is being poured right now on the consumer pricing index and, and inflation and how expensive it is to do so much right now, how much do we think that affects sports teams? The uh, Maybe a, a decreased willingness for people to spend a lot of money to go to a game, to buy a hot dog and a beer, to park their car, to bring their kids, et cetera. Yeah, I think that is probably the biggest issue first off. That'd be my first thought of it, if I'm working for one of these teams, is how are we going to handle ticket renewals? Because as everybody knows, they've gone through three years of that being the the crisis, right? Of People have now developed routines of watching games from home. They developed routines of of, of whether it's you know signing up for whatever service they need, whether it's having friends over, whatever it is, they, they developed routines of watching from home in a way that they maybe never had before. And so teams have struggled to get folks back into the building. We've written a lot about uh, the no-show rate, the number of people who buy a ticket and don't go to the game mm-hmm. was way up over the last year. And and so that is troubling because then when renewal time comes up, when it's time to renew your season tickets, maybe you don't. Uh, and so that would be by, by far my, my biggest uh, concern I would have if I was working for one of these teams is what what are those numbers going to look like? How much do we have to change our pricing ultimately uh, to continue to fill our buildings? I've asked a lot of people in the sports betting world in the past you know month or so if sports betting is inflation proof. Theoretically, it's it's not something that needs to get more expensive or the pricing doesn't need to change because there's there's not a supply chain in that same way. But it certainly holds that if people feel like they have less discretionary income. There's probably some things like sports betting that they're that they're maybe inclined to do less of. I don't get the sense that in that industry there's a ton of concern right now, or maybe that's just the posture that they give to a journalist who's who's mm-hmm. asking the question. Um, but but yes, it does certainly feel to me as though uh, as people scale back on social addings, as, as they often do when when these things get bad, uh, that does seem to really affect sports teams. It may be good for the media side of the sports business and it could end up mm-hmm. being uh, very bad for the other and depending on your league uh sometimes the media is more important and sometimes the right. the, the, the exactly. tickets carry a lot more weight um so so to, it, it depends on the league there as well yeah and when you're talking about the betting operators to me the question there is we've seen the markets over the last you know several months now say okay enough talk about growth let's talk about profit right and and, and that is where i think we've seen 
some of you would know this better than me, but we've seen some operators struggle to make that pivot, make that change. Uh, and, and that is also where, where this gets troubling, where, uh, you know, trying to make more money off the people using your betting apps is, is, is dicey territory, right? Compared to trying to throw money at people to get them to download your apps. That's a lot more uh, of an easy sell. One other area, Jacob, that is obviously a, a bit more challenging now in this economy is raising money. Uh, and you and sure. I collaborated on a story earlier this week about Buzzer, a uh, sports media startup, uh, raised a lot of money last year, a who's who of, of, of impressive and powerful sports investors. They are downsizing a little bit. They're la- they laid off about 20% of their staff last week. They're also raising money and, and, and managed to, from what we heard, lock in at least $20 million at a valuation that's a little bit higher than what they raised at last year. Walk us through what's going on at Buzzer and, and, and then maybe wider what maybe the, the, the lessons are here for a lot of other companies that either raise money a, a year ago at some big valuations or companies that are trying to raise money now and maybe facing some of these headwinds we're talking about. Yeah, sure. Happy to. So to take a step back for those who don't know Buzzer, who haven't downloaded and, and played around with it, Buzzer, like you said, launched last year uh, with what I would view as kind of two central offerings. The first is you know smart notifications, uh, and they actually have a they have a pretty sizable editorial staff that handles this. You know, a little less sizable, unfortunately, now, but uh, you know, who, who keeps track of a lot of games and will send you a notification when your team has in a close game or in, recently. Uh, you could you know track a bet, and so if your over was close to hitting, they would give you a notification. That's A, and then B is the opportunity to once they give you that notification, you can spend whether it's ninety nine cents or three dollars to watch a short snippet of that game live while it's still happening. So whether it's three minutes of access, ten minutes of access, a period of access in the NHL, whatever it is. Uh, so those are those are two pieces of it, and and yeah, like you said, uh, we wrote last week that they uh, let go twenty percent of the staff. Some of that was full time, some was part time, and, and and a big part of that is continuing to line up the partners. You know, it, it's it's hard to get these rights. It's hard to, to line these deals. And so that's something they're continuing to work on. They've had deals with the NBA, WNBA. Uh, at the moment, they're, they're still, you know, exploring ideally in, 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 at some time frame having every sport in there, I would have to imagine. So that's the challenge. And, and yeah, they're not the only ones going going through this. I've been, so, I mean, I've been hearing from VC investor types probably going back I can remember a call I had in March, you know, people saying the less likely to give the money is harder to give up right now. They're holding the money a little tighter. They're not saying yes to everybody that walks in and asking for a million dollars to, to go build something. Um, and, and so they are being choosier now. Going back to what I said earlier, they are looking for, you know, a, I think a shorter line to profit. And we're seeing that even outside of sports when you're look, talking about, you know, the, the Ubers and the Airbnbs of the world. Um, it doesn't really matter your size right now. I think people are looking for that, that line to profit. And so that is going to be a challenge because we have seen a really robust startup scene in sports, whether that's on the media side, uh, whether it's on the ticketing side over the last maybe even a decade. Uh, and so the, the health of that category uh, is definitely a question over this next year. We had Bo Han, the CEO of Buzzer, on this podcast last year, right around the time when they launched, if people are remember that or if they're curious to kind of hear more about the company. Jacob, you at Sportico write more than anybody else about the way in which media is is changing. It, having you here, I'd be remiss if I didn't just ask you kind of what's on your mind, what's on your plate, what are you looking at right now as companies like Buzzer kind of search to disrupt what is already a, a very disrupting industry with with the shift away from cable to, 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 to digital and streaming only platforms. And Scott and I talked about MLS and Apple 
last week, which is a, a pretty big milestone, I would think, for a major U.S. league to to to, to hand the reins of, of their entire, essentially their entire broadcast package over to a company that 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 is entirely uh, entirely digital. What what are you looking at right now that that maybe our listeners and or maybe even me aren't even aware of is happening? Yeah, well, I think you mentioned the MLS too. I think people are aware. So uh, I'm based here in Boston. Nesson launched a $30 a month subscription service uh, to get access to the Bruins and Red Sox games. We're hearing uh, that Bally Sports, owned, you know, owned by Sinclair, is going to launch, I think, a $20 a month offering by the end of this year. Uh, and so we're going to continue to see that kind of fractionalization breaking away from the bundle. Uh, and, and that is what Buzzer is, is out to solve, uh, is at least part of that problem is how do I find a game? Where is a game being broadcast? How can I watch a game? That's step one. I, I think that's that's a problem that will be solved, whether it's by Buzzer or somebody else. That, that is an issue we're all having. We've seen we've written about a couple other startups that are trying to solve this problem too. The bigger problem outside of that is why should I watch these sports? Should I watch these sports? You know, we're talking about <laughs> the younger generation. When we're talking about uh, habits being built, a lot of people have built a habit of, of not watching games, whether whether they're watching highlights, whether they're not watching anything at all. Uh, and so that's that's the bigger uh, question to me um, is you know. Why do I watch? Should I be watching? What will these kids be watching? Uh, and that's when you turn to what are the alternatives right now? And the alternatives right now, uh, Moffat Nathanson put out this report last week, uh, what they're calling short form video wars. So it's this new new era, you know, the streaming wars, you know, that those are old news. It's now about, about the short form video wars. And so that's TikTok, obviously. They're the ones who kind of pioneered this. But as you know, uh, you know, tech companies are, are fast followers. So we have Instagram, Instagram Reels, Snap has Snap Spotlight, YouTube has YouTube Shorts. It's all a very similar product, right? So these very algorithmic. It, it tries to think what you want and gives it to you. Very short uh, and very addictive. You just scroll through them. Those are kind of the three key categories there. And it's still unclear what role sports has to play in those short form video wars. We've seen now with Apple, with Amazon, uh, talk of Netflix. It seems like sports will have a place on streaming services. I think that's kind of been established. So now we, we push even further into the short form category and it's not clear if sports will have a space. We did that uh, tech event at, at Barclays Center last week. Uh, we had TikTok on uh, Jenna McNaney from, from TikTok, which was fantastic. And, you know, she was talking about one of the most successful sports properties was, was the Indianapolis Colts. And the success they had was using their mascot and sending their mascot around the country to meet with all these uh, very impactful creators and, and doing, you know, these fun bits. Uh, like that's where sports are right now is trying to, you know, put a blue, uh, horse mascot on a bunch of kids phones and hoping that that turns into them watching football on Sundays. Yes. It's it's interesting when you, when you say that, I'm thinking about Scott likes to always say it's all about the eyeballs. Anyone playing Mm -hmm. Sportacast bingo, giving you a free one right there, uh, (laughs) all about the eyeballs, but, but it is true that not all eyeballs and, and not all versions of eyeballs are created equal. Right. And, and it is interesting to me that, that there are, Obviously, everyone's pushing into these these new content platforms, as you're saying. But if a, if you have a million people that see the Colts mascot on on TikTok, but none of them watch a Colts game, or none of them are live near Indy and are willing to pay it to go to see a Colts game, like how valuable is that? I think that's a really interesting question. And 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 another thing Scott always talks about is Jackson, his son, and 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 video games and how much he loves to play MLB The Show. It doesn't seem as though it, it's made Jackson want to go to Major League Baseball games at all. It doesn't seem like it's made Jackson want to watch Major League Baseball games much at all. It does seem like he knows a lot about a lot of different players. 
but it is, it's something that I've always wondered as Scott tells those stories. And, and, and this question you're asking, I'm sure is something that everyone in our industry is asking is, is just because they're consuming X or Y, or just because they're seeing our logo on X or Y and, and can identify our mascot or our players. How does that, how do we turn that into a fan? How do we turn that into someone that is, that is financially worth whatever the investment is that it took to get the mascot or the players in front of them? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that is going to be the next massive pivot over the next decade. I think over the last decade, we saw teams and, and leagues understand, you know, our business, we're a media business first and foremost, right? I think that was a big shift of from, from going from an events business to a media business. And now, you know, I think the, the obvious answer is, is licensing, right? You know, we're seeing leagues and teams putting their IP in Fortnite as, as skins or, or, or lending their IP to all sorts of new video games, uh, MLB The Show being one. So I think there's a lot of room to grow in that category. Uh, and, and same on TikTok, you know, can you sell now, you know, stickers of, of this mascot? Can you, you know, can you continue to, to create new lines of, of IP? Um, and, and they'll tell you, I think that that affinity maybe over time, the other hope of relief um, is that those people, as they get older, uh, maybe they will want to sit down and watch a two hour, three hour game. Uh, and, and now they're primed and, and they know the people and it's easier to get them into that world. We'll, we'll see, you know, to go back to the other, you know, example, everyone likes to cite now is F1. I think a big reason F1 is successful. A, there's no commercials. It's a very short race. It's, you know, an hour and a half and B, you don't even need to watch the race. You can, you can, you can find out who won. There's like three drivers that matter. You can follow them on, on, on any social media platform, follow their, their fan accounts and you'll know what's going on. Uh, and, and so, you know, we're seeing the F1 media, um, deal also likely happening very soon. Uh, and, and so that, that's the model, right? Is, is can you make money by being in the ether, if not on the TV. I am I'm glad you brought up F1. I, I told this story on, on the podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago. I'm, I'm sure I maybe mentioned it to you as well. There was a, a big race, maybe even the, the, the first race of the year, where I couldn't figure out who won. Like I went to ESPN's <laughs> homepage, it wasn't there. I went to the ESPN F1 landing page and none of the six stories on the Monday after the event, I think it was the Miami event actually. I was trying to figure out okay. who won and, and none of the six or seven stories on the on the kind of slide of, of top F1 stories on ESPN's page um, detailed who won. And it, what you said is what a lot of people said to me, which is that actually like the person who wins is actually not even often the big part of the story. And I, I know the sport is very heavily tilted towards just a few teams because of the way in which technology really plays a role and how fast those cars go. So in a lot of ways, uh, oftentimes there's not that much drama about who is actually going to end up winning and, the Netflix show did obviously a great job of of creating the drama outside of who's winning and who's losing. Um, I am. I, this is probably just a very American thing to say, but the idea <laughs> of rooting for or, or following a sport in which the the team or the person who wins isn't the like central dramatic lever of the whole thing just seems so crazy to me. And and but maybe that is just the part of the appeal of F one that I am just totally missing. Yeah, I, I think it is a much more of a cultural thing. I mean, you know, you don't hear a ton about F1 betting and kind of, you know, looking at odds and trying to predict who's going to win. It's just not really, I'm sure that exists. I'm sure it is sizable, you know, in England and elsewhere. But it, at least in the U.S., that's not the, the prime lever of interest. That's so interesting. I wonder, are there other sports that you can think of that are that work like that? Um, that's a good question. You know, I, I, I'm always fascinated. I'm not a golf fan. I'm always fascinated by golf fandom. I was just at the U.S. Open, which is here in Boston this mm. weekend. Yeah, yeah. And people don't... You always ask like who people are rooting for and they're like, oh, I just want to see good golf. You know, I, I just want to like they root for everybody. They clap for everybody. It's like a bizarre thing that that is so weird to me because um, right, I'm, I'm like you like I, you know, 
sports is supposed to be a tribal, like a, this like tribal fandom of affiliation and you're supposed to have a rivalry and no, we're just out there to have a good time. You know, we'll, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll pick up something for our own games. You know, we get out there, we wear the same things we're going to wear when we golf. It's like that to me maybe is, is a close example. I'm sure I could come up with others more time. I mean, I, I think a lot of the WNBA success has been cultural, right? I, I think uh, you see a lot of people that are mm-hmm. fans of the WNBA as much as they are of a team. Um, you know, I watched a great Las Vegas, Chicago game, uh, let's say Tuesday night. Um, and I enjoyed the game. You know, I, I, I have some aces players on my fantasy team, so I was rooting for them, but otherwise, you know, I, I just like, um, to kind of, you know, revel in that success. Maybe that, that's another example. Maybe it is more common than you would think, especially in these newer kind of rising leagues. That's interesting. We're running out of time here, Jacob, but I am curious real quick before, before we go, you were at the U S open golf is, is having an existential crisis of sorts right now. What, I'm curious, what, what was the reception for, for guys like Phil and for Dustin that you saw? And, and, and did you get a sense kind of in walking around that, that did you feel that the tension that, that the PGA tour is currently under, uh, opposed to live golf? I'm curious what that, what that experience was like. Yeah, you can definitely, I mean, it's all anybody wanted to talk about, you know, you say hi to somebody. Hey, how's it going? How's your weekend? Hey, what do you think about this live golf thing? Uh, (laughs) That's just like the conversation starter of the weekend and everyone has a different opinion. You know, I will say it is funny, like that there is, and and maybe this is good for golf long term. I do think it is definitely creating some tension. I do think there are people who are very mad at certain golfers for the way they've handled the situation, uh, whether it's what they've said, whether it's how they've acted. Uh, And I think a lot of the golfers that have gone into this live world already had a reputation for kind of bucking you know, some of the the politeness and, and, and some of the traditions of golf. Um, so I do think that exists. And, and, and like I said, I, to me, as somebody who doesn't really understand golf culture, that's great. Like, I would love to have some tension. I would love to have a bad boy in golf. You know, I, I think that's good for the game. Um, but I totally understand the people uh, now after a weekend out there, I totally understand the people who love to go out there and feel like this is part of one big happy community where we all just want to see good golf. I'm like you give, give me the, give me more tension and give me, uh, give me more bad, uh, <laughs> give me more bad boys and, and some, some, some enemies in in golf. Uh, thank you, Jacob. This was fun. He is Jacob Feldman on Twitter at Jacob Feldman Four. I'm Eben Novi Williams on Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. Our producer, Matt Whitehurst, shout out to Matt does a great job with the show and we thank him. Our digital media editor, Cora Veltman wants you to know that you can download the Sportacast wherever you get your podcasts. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.